I Love Mortgage Brokering, episode 16. The most inspiring stories from today's most successful mortgage brokers. Join your host, Scott Peckford, on I Love Mortgage Brokering. Hi, Broker Nation. I am thrilled to announce our guest today. It's Jordy Brown. Jordy's a mortgage broker with Verico based out of Chilliwack. Hey, Jordy, how's it going today? Not bad, not bad at all. So, Jordy, I always like to start by asking you to tell us a little bit about yourself and your business. All right. I'm a mortgage broker based out of the Fraser Valley. We actually have offices in Chilliwack, Abbotsford, Mission, and Maple Ridge. We uh, work mainly out of real estate office. Started in mortgage broker in 2002, but before that, I actually worked at household finance for five years and came into that when I was actually young. I was 18 and started at household finance. My brother recommended me go to an interview at the company, and I was 18, waitering at the Earl's at the time, and I left to become or to take the interview. And they gave me the job, and I thought, wow, this is amazing. I'm a young guy about to be selling loans. Actually, I didn't even know what I was going to be doing. And then I got my first paycheck, and I took a big big hit to the pocketbook at the time because waitering, I was making so much money, and I actually almost thought about quitting at the time and going back to waitering. Thank God I stayed at Household Finance and ended up being where I am now. So you, you made more money initially working as a server than working in the financial industry. That's not very promising for anybody thinking about joining our industry. <laughs> well, that was, that was years ago, and I believe things have changed quite a bit now. So so when did you transition from household finance to, because obviously you're an employee, the two brokering, uh, yeah. what, when did that happen? 2003, actually. My brother, who I'm now still a business partner with, uh, he had left the year before and start up mortgage broking, and then he asked me to come join his team. Cool, and you guys have been rocking the whole Fraser Valley there for the last like decade, so good for you guys. And then what about um, outside of work? You got family? Yeah, a little girl named Vienna. She's three. A little boy named Chase, and he's six, and obviously my wife. Cool. And so I always like to start off the interviews by starting with a quote that has impacted your life or business. I find quotes really distill an idea down to really, you know, a short sentence. And so can you share with me a quote that's really impacted you? Yeah, it's a, it's a fairly simple quote. It's, a, it's more of a mantra. is value legacy over currency. And it's how I treat every deal. It's, I don't count dollars. I don't actually tell you the truth. I don't even know how much commission a lot of the banks pay me on each deal. So um, my job at that time is to make sure that that client, my legacy of that deal with that client is good enough for them to refer me. So that's it. Value legacy over currency. I've never actually heard that before. Where did you hear that? You know what? I heard it years ago. Actually, I tried to Google it recently and it's it's not coined to anyone. It's yours then. So you may have just taken some stuff and, and invented your own quote. So yeah, I'm stealing stuff. Yep. I'm going to give you the credit for it. So, can you give me an example of like someone that you were working with that you um, you put you didn't put the money you put the money part of it aside and thought about okay long term this is the most valuable you know this is the more important thing to do. So, can you give me like a specific example? An example of someone actually when I was a rookie, um, a gentleman named Tony Spagnuolo came out and met me and my business partner, and at that time we were nobodies, and he he. I don't know why he came out here. He runs a big law office or law offices in BC. And he sat down with us and talked to us how to create our business. And so he was definitely at that time, I, I don't know why he helped me, but at that time he actually referred me a book to read and, and that took me a long way to where I am now. 
I know Tony. Actually, he's a great guy. Yeah. Very very sharp businessman. And uh, I've definitely the times I've met with him, I always learned something from him too. Yes, he's as good as they get out there. Cool. So value legacy over currency. I think that's great advice for anybody in our business, especially in the money business where it's easy to focus on just uh, the next buck instead of what's the best thing to do for the client. So another area that I find for me anyways is failure. I know I've made some big mistakes in as an entrepreneur and as a mortgage broker. And if you could, and I always find that when I look back at the failure, there's always a lesson in it. And even if it can be tough at times. So can you share with me an example of something you failed at? And then looking back, the lesson that you learned? Uh, actually, I say this to my clients all the time. is, And I think every top broker out there, the reason that why they're top brokers is because they've failed more than everybody on a deal or on a situation. So I uh, explain this to my clients is why you want to deal with me is I've screwed up everything at least once. But once you screw something up, you never make the same mistake. So I think failure in our business is actually probably the best thing for us on a deal-by-deal basis. But as for a large failure was, I believe in the mid, around 2006, I started up a company, a virtual tour company. And it was a way for us to, we deal with realtors. So what we were doing at that time was creating individual websites for listings and doing virtual tours. And we promoted this as a loss leader for us. We were doing it for some realtors for free that referred us lots of business. But it actually ended up hindering us a lot more because we focused less on the relationship we had with the realtor and more on this product. It, it was almost like I was trying to sell them. So uh, we ended up shutting it down and going back to our roots of just going out with the realtors and going for a round of golf or a beer. And uh, I think in the end, that's our success and how we're going to continue doing it in the future. Right. Actually, I, I recall I met you one time many years ago, and that was a program you guys had. And I thought, man, that is such a awesome idea to you know build those rapport but now like you say it can become there's a great japanese proverb i've heard chase two rabbits and catch none and as a guy i think we're wired very similar that it's like i'm always you know this would be cool to do but man i I, it's very hard for me to focus on more than one thing and do it well actually our big mistake with the websites that we're creating for individual listings was we undervalued it like i said we were giving it away for free and as soon as we start giving away for free the realtors that we were giving it to didn't find value in it. And right. I think if we charged for it, or I don't know how we could have done it differently, but it could have been done a bit differently where it was the value was more perceived by the realtors. So as a guy, just as a side to this, but as a guy that seems to be pretty creative and come up with ideas, so when you come up with a new sort of thing now, how do you, what, how do you vet it? Because I know that this is some trouble that I have. I come up with a new idea, it seems like every week. And how do you vet that idea to know, okay, is this worth, you know, is this going to build my business or is it going to take away? With all the new ideas I come up with, one thing I always, I'm a bit of a procrastinator, but it actually sometimes helps um, because it gives you time to reflect on the idea you have. And there's so many ideas I come up with that go by the wayside. But once we do have an idea that we like, we actually, my business partner is not involved directly in uh, files anymore. So he actually takes these ideas to fruition. So it's, it's, it's not everybody can't do it, but to have someone on the back end just working on your business is absolutely huge. Right, yeah, that, that is true because, you know, then you don't have to take your eye off the ball and they can, they can take this and you have a second set of eyes on it to see, okay, is this really good? And then they can actually make it happen. 
So yeah. I've thought about bringing my wife back into business with me because she was a broker at one time and very she's very bright. So um, I may have to call you and get some advice on. <laughs> it's not, it, the problem with it is it's being a broker can be a stressful job. Uh, I've actually a younger brother came in the industry and he quit because he couldn't handle the stress of it. But this is where it would be good for someone like him to still be involved in the industry, but not on the day-to-day basis. Right. Yeah. No, and that's exactly, that's what I'm thinking too. So cool. Okay. So another thing I've noticed talking to successful brokers is that they always have a system and a process and they're willing to tweak those processes in order to get better results. And I like to ask about sort of administrative process. So something to do with paperwork or back end or documentation. So a process that you had that maybe wasn't working as well as you'd like, and then what kind of an adjustment you made and then what kind of outcome you got from that adjustment? Yeah. Um, it was actually another big failure of mine. When I first started the industry, my attention detail was poor. Um, so when I would input the deal into Phylogix, I wouldn't ever complete it within the Phylogix system. So what happened is uh, years down the road, we actually joined GoMax or took on GoMax, and we tried to uh, auto-populate all our information from our Phylogix into GoMax. And because of the information I'd put in, was so scrambled, it didn't populate. So I actually had my uh, unlicensed assistant spend three months going back through every deal we'd done. And she had 40 hours a week three, for three months, and she corrected our system. And that way, our CRM system was set up correctly. Oh, yeah. That's, so now going forward, how do you guys make sure that, it's, that you don't have to spend three months of your assistant's time fixing it? We have systems and standards set up. So when it comes to transfers, there's a certain way that we, uh, what we call transfers, when we complete a file, all conditions are complete. That's we're transferring the file. We have an email system that my unlicensed assistant gets the email. She transferred it on to what we have is a, what's called also a whiteboard. Um, years ago, we used to use a whiteboard on our wall to write our clients' names down. And then we started noticing maybe that was a bit unprofessional if clients would come in and look up and recognize a name on the board. So we uh, went to a computer company and they generated an online system for us, for our whiteboard. So when we transfer files, we have a booking report within that. We have our pending deals, our live deals. We, it's a whole system that we created. Um, and she's uh, my unlicensed assistant who, take who takes care of all of that for me. Oh, that's so cool. That's I remember that whiteboard, I actually. I came by when I stopped in your office and you guys had like a blind that you could put across it when, <laughs> when people came in. It was awesome. It was, uh, yeah, the big boss of the real estate company that we were working in made that suggestion that maybe we shouldn't have names on the wall. So, And I've been in other offices. I've seen it. Um, it's, and I can understand the concerns of privacy, especially in our industry now. Privacy is such a big thing. Mm-hmm. And actually, one of, the, one of the administrative processes I do that I changed about five years ago is Google Calendar. I used to just have a piece of paper. I had names on there. But then I started using Google Calendar, and it's... I hate to say it, but almost recreated my business. I'm so much more organized with getting in in the morning, writing everything I need to do with times and going based on a schedule instead of just coming in and working on deals. Right. That's awesome. And then uh, that's a great advice. And the whiteboard, you know, lots of people have tried to, you know, they create a a way to basically mimic a whiteboard to keep track of everything in one spot because I think it's really, it's valuable when you're managing lots of files to, to be able to keep your eye on them. And uh, my next question is about sales processes. So obviously our business is sales or communication. So 
with you, you obviously most successful brokers have some sort of a sales process is what I've been finding. And so do you have a sales process that or marketing process that was maybe not working as well as you'd like? And can you share an, ex- an example of something, how you adjusted it? Well, obviously that virtual tour company was one of them, but it's, um, I find we always have issues when we get busy. So my sales process is I'm a face-to-face guy. Uh, I'm not going to put my mug in the newspaper. You're not going to see me uh, in magazines. I truly believe in reinvesting the money I make back into helping my referral partners. So that's where when I get busy, I, you seem to lack it going out and doing things that originally got you where you are. So and that's what's happened over the last few years. So, and that's uh, where the failure is, is I'm just understaffed. So we're actually eventually going to be bringing on another partner to the team. And so on the the sales pro, so you're basically saying like the the relational marketing part of it or what part? That's all it is, relationship um, with our current referral sources, going out and seeing them as often as possible, staying in contact with them as much as possible. Uh, When we get a deal, we make sure to give them a call and keep them in touch with the deal as much as possible. The worst thing you can do is take a referral from somebody and a week later they call you and wonder what's happening. So you have to make sure all parties are involved on the transaction. It's, it's, it's easy for me to talk because I work mainly with realtors, but um, that work, would work with anybody. I, I would even use it if a, a, a friend referred a friend. I would call the, uh, I wouldn't to obviously tell them too many details, but I would definitely let them know that everything's going good and I appreciate it. So, Right. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a good, good advice. You've got to keep people in the loop. And um, so... Now, as far as another thing I've noticed, diversifying your income, there's been a lot of stuff in the magazines and the conversation I've been having is this idea that, you know, we as brokers should be looking at diversifying income. And I'm just wondering if there's one area that you plan on focusing on or one area that you've been having success in, in the last Uh, little while. I'm a licensed life agent in BC here. Oh, how how long have you been doing that? Three, four years. And so I took it, obviously, we are in the industry, we understand there's uh, a bit of a the life insurance product within the mortgage is not always the best for the client um, so a few years back we recognized that and we thought we could uh, enhance our client's experience with us by selling a, a full life insurance product so I went and actually got licensed um, and then joined a company called Hub now I did it but I don't do it anymore because it didn't work and it didn't work because it wasn't a good product, but you can't be good at two things. So what I found is I was doing life insurance deals with my mortgage deals, but instead of being great at mortgages, I was just good at mortgages and good at life insurance. And I was, I, it was actually hindering my business a little bit. So my business partner, who was at the time doing uh, mortgages with us, went and got his uh, insurance, and he ended up leaving mortgages and going strictly into the insurance. Insurance is a completely different beast in the industry. The underwriting is a slow process. Um, so we recognize that you could probably do that well working on your business. So that's what he does now is works on the business and does the life insurance end of it. Okay. So is that, is that your brother you're talking about? Yeah, Dave. Yeah. And then, so can you just share it? Like, I think that's a, I think it's brilliant. Obviously a good lesson. I've had other people that have said, yeah, I think it's about getting the life insurance license and maybe you can do both, but uh, it's definitely going to be challenging to be, on, and, and, you know, play your A game at both. But so what's your uh, process for introducing him to your client? Like, how, do, how does that work? So we've actually put it right in with the documents now. When we, uh, 
we used to have MPP that we'd sign up with clients. Um, we replace that document with a life insurance. We give a quote every time directly from Manulife, Equitable, whoever the company is, at time of closing. So, and it's about a 60% success rate right now that we're when we pass it on to him. Not everyone gets approved in the life insurance. It's a lot like mortgages, but we're about 60% of our clients are saying yes to it right now. Well, and within that, we can sell additional products. A lot of clients just want to take the simple, uh, what's called term life, but then there's some, obviously, additional products you can sell within the life insurance industry. Mm-hmm. No, I think that's brilliant. You guys are you're a couple of years ahead of the curve if you took your license three years ago because it wasn't something that was on my radar, maybe not since the, in the last 12 months or so. It was actually, how did, it, it, I don't know. I, I found it fairly easy. I went to a, a place called Ashton College uh, in downtown Vancouver, and they had a weekend course. And I took the weekend course, and I studied the books and uh, for about another two weeks, and then I went to, took the exam and passed, so, mm-hmm. which seems almost too easy looking back on it, but right. it, it's, it's out there for brokers to do it. And that's BC, obviously. I don't know across the, uh, Canada what everybody's yeah, up against. It could be different. So yeah. another question, I've, I've got a fam, young family, a little bit older than yours, and you've got a really young family. So how do you balance running your mortgage practice and fitting in family? And you're obviously, you know, cranking with some big numbers. So give me some advice on what you, how you do that. Um, I, to be honest with you, I work 40 hours a week, nine to five. And that's a week where I don't golf. Um, it's, it's hiring. It's, I have a staff with me. So actually what I have is obviously my, uh, business partner Dave, he takes care of the back end stuff, and then I have um, my uh, other licensed assistant. His name's Dave as well, and he helps me with deals. I might not make as much money as other people who do it all by themselves, but I don't. That's not my number one priority. I would rather be at home and have a water fight with my son than sometimes taking a phone call at night. So. Right. And so, you, are, are all your assistants named Dave? <laughs> yes, they are. Uh, the, both the guys are both the mortgage guys are Dave and Dave, and then we have Kim. Yeah, that's hilarious. <laughs> it it's is, like minions. It makes or a lot something. easier for me when I'm referring them to deal with Dave. It, Dave's so. going to call you. I don't know which one, but don't worry, he'll take care of you. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's awesome. So now I'm going to move to the rapid fire questions. So you can answer these with a little shorter um, answers if you like. So, what is the number one thing holding most mortgage brokers back from being successful? Number one, it's knowledge. Um, knowledge brings so many things, but actually the number one thing it brings is confidence. And I see that with a lot of uh, young brokers, they, they're afraid to go meet with referral partners because they don't know the answers to all the questions. So it's when I first started out, I, I got knowledgeable in every market. So in BC, we have property transfer tax, we have GST on new homes. And I went and I studied every one of those. And to this day, I have at least a realtor or two a week calling me and asking me how GST works on a new purchase, how property transfer tax works, how, how, what issues you can come up with, um, and then knowledge and products too. Um, there's a gentleman out of Calgary named Greg Williamson, and he has taken a product recently, the Purchase Plus Renovations that we all know, and rebranded it. Uh, but it makes him look like he's the most knowledgeable in that product. He does it with his... Uh, he trains other brokers, and I think it's called the Home Renovation Plan. And realtors or brokers are taking this to realtors and look like they're that much more knowledgeable than the rest of the market. You're not seeing a bank come to a realtor saying, hey, we can promote your product this way. Um, 
uh, one of the products I think is the most underused in all of BC is the, or all of Canada is the um, flex down, the zero down mortgage. If you look at the stats, 50% of first-time home buyers are our big, or first-time home buyers are our biggest market share right now. But that product is used by them mainly, and so it's a, it's one of those ones where if you can rebrand it and make it look like your own product. Uh, other banks, other people are not doing this, and it's a way to obviously promote your business. Right. Yeah, that's that's clever. And what one habit do you think has made you successful? Um, number one habit made me successful is I get back to people. If I have a phone call, e- even though I don't only work 9 to 5 in the office, if someone calls me, I call them back at 9.30 at night. It's five, ten minutes of my time. It doesn't ring all the time. So when it when my phone does ring at home, I'll answer it and answer the questions. So it's especially starting out in the industry or being in, if you're trying to expand it, getting back to people, that's uh, people don't have patience like they used to. They will need their answers now. So if you are not the one to pick up your phone and answer it, someone else will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's good. And what about, do you have a resource like a Dropbox or Evernote program that you that makes your business more successful? Yeah, I just started using Dropbox. I use it um, just working on going paperless right now. Um, GoMax is another one I use. Every CRM system is needed in our industry. Um, obviously, I have my whiteboard, and then I have my Google Calendar, which I it's a simple thing, but I don't think enough people utilize it. So, Right. Um, there's this cool program that I use that syncs with Google Calendar called Schedule Once, and it allows people to book my uh, book like they can access my calendar and they can choose a time that works for them and send it to me. So I don't have to do the back and forth, you know, when should we meet or when should we talk? And it's awesome. So I recommend you check it out if you use Google calendar. Perfect. Schedule once. Um, and then if you could recommend a book for our listeners, what would it be? Actually going back to what we said previously, um, when Tony Spagnuolo sat back with me, uh, a dozen years ago, uh, he gave me, uh, he referred, and I'm sure everyone's heard of it, the e-myth. And mm-hmm. it's kind of what I built my business around at that time. And I go back every once in a while and still read it. So it's, it's, it's about setting up systems and standards around your business to make it run as smooth as possible. And I think that's what our industry is all about. I think that's what all industries are all about. Right. Yeah, that, is a, that is a great book. Yeah. And then remember the, the movie Back to the Future? Yes. So there's this, uh, the DeLorean is this great car that could travel in time. So if you could get in the DeLorean and travel back to your first day as a mortgage broker back in 2003, and you have 15 minutes to visit with yourself, what three things would you tell yourself to, in order to improve your business today? Well, I'm a, I love useless facts. So one thing about that movie, Back to the Future, if you remember the opening scene where he's at the mall, it's called Dual Pines Mall, and he jumps back in time, and the farmer tries to shoot him when he's in his yellow suit. He jumps over a fence and steps on a pine tree. When he comes back in time, it's called Lone Pine Mall. I saw that recently somewhere. It was awesome. <laughs> um, three things. Thanks for sharing that. <laughs> <laughs> Not a problem. Um, three things that I would redo mm-hmm. if I was going to go back. I would have created my the CRM system right away. Um, I, it, it took me about three, four, five years to actually get involved with that, and that was one of my biggest uh, early failures in my industry. I also would have been, I find we approach 
I, I approached, when I first started, I approached realtors. And it, that was good, but I ended up, my most successes, taking the next level on uh, approaching the broker owners of real estate offices. And I would have done that earlier. Um, you obviously, they want a little from you, but if you can get in-house in a real estate office, that helps. And it, it seems like everyone's too nervous to take that next stop, step to t- talk to the, the head honcho of the real estate company. They want to talk to the individual realtors. But I think that's a big step if you can get there. And then I would have joined more social networks, um, uh, whatever it would be, the Rotary or actually even sports teams. Um, and one thing I would always try to do when I'm at a – I play soccer, I run baseball teams. Um, I don't ever want to tell people why – not that I don't want to tell them, but I find if I come out and tell them, hey, I'm a mortgage broker, it almost is like I'm trying to sell them. So I actually always try to find a funny story that if something happened to me in the last year or so in the mortgage industry, and I tell that story. And through that story, they end up finding I'm a mortgage broker, and it's sometimes how I solved the problem or something like that. But I find they're a lot more responsive when you talk to people that way uh, in a social situation. So that's awesome. I love that. I, I I'm going to totally steal that. I mean, I, I think I've done that, but not. I certainly have not thought of that as a. Typically, I'm the same way. I don't go out and like beat people over the head and say I'm a broker. But, yeah. you, you know, you get to know them and become a relationship, and then they ask, oh, so what do you do? And then, oh, well, actually, I need help with that. And the, oh, it, it's just a natural thing instead of lead. You shouldn't uh, – it's not good to lead with it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like you, it looks like you're trying to sell yourself, where if you just tell them a story, they figure it out pretty quick. And uh, it's funny how how many people are willing to develop divulge their personal information. Like you'll be at a house party, and they're telling you about their rates in front of everybody, and it's it's um, – it's a it's a conversation topic everyone wants to talk about. Well, everyone wants a mortgage, so. Okay, well that's awesome. So the DeLorean, you got 15 minutes, and you ran over that one pine tree, and yeah. uh, so or you stepped on it. So the CRM you'd set up right away. You yep. would approach um, the, the owners of offices sooner, I guess, when you had the confidence. You probably couldn't do it in your first year or something, but. Yeah, get the knowledge first. Go study everything you can in the industry. Actually, one thing about regional is, as brokers, we're speci- specialists, so. Um, in my region, I, we have uh, what's called First Nations lease land, and it's another thing I studied. And what has happened with that now is there's all townhomes and condos set up within the First Nations land, but only certain banks will do them. And so I've actually gone into the individual complexes and promoted myself as almost the financier of the complex. And people call me directly. I have brokers referring me clients on lease land out here. So, Dude, that's that's ridiculously awesome. Yeah, if you have, if you can find out there, I'm not sure if there's mobile home parks or anything where there's difficulty financing it. Become an expert in that area, and it'll make your life a lot easier. Right. That, oh, I love it. Okay, this interview has been great. So, uh, so where can people find you online? Uh, I have a few websites. Um, I try to generalize my websites to the region. So in Abbotsford, I have abbotsfordsmortgagebroker.com, but mine's just brmc.ca. BRMC and, and Pearl Mortgage Corp. And are you guys hiring at all right now? Uh, yeah, we have one spot. We're going to be. I am not. I don't run a brokerage. I don't bring brokers on under me. I've mm-hmm. tried that. I've talked to other brokers about it. It's good once you get to a certain number, but it actually can act, It can eat away at your current business. It's a fine line between is it more profitable bringing on brokers and taking splits from them, or just working on your own business. So the, what we would be hiring right now is actually we're looking for one more licensed assistant just to. Uh, call our current database. It's, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's, our, uh, it's underutilized, and that's what we're going to be looking to hire here fairly soon. 
Cool. Well, when we get off the interview sometime, we should chat because uh, I've been doing a lot of switches and stuff. And I'd be happy to when you get that person to chat with you about what, what's been working for me and maybe they can use some of it. That'd be fantastic. So, so another thing is if uh, uh, I kind of try to take from Tony's book or Tony when he met with me and being nobody, but if any brokers out there ever want to call me and steal my ideas or whatever I'm doing, they can feel free to call me or email me. Cool. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Jordy, for being so great to share all this stuff. I know I've got a bunch of notes and I'm going to make some improvements to my business uh, since we talked. So any of the listeners, if they want to check out the show notes and get the links, they can go to ilovemortgagebrokering.com. And thanks, Jordy, so much for for taking your time today. Thank you. The most inspiring stories from today's most successful mortgage brokers. Join your host, Scott Peckford, on I Love Mortgage Brokering. Hey, Broker Nation, Scott Beckford here. Have you joined our VIP club for mortgage brokers yet? If not, you're missing out. We share exclusive content not available on the web or the show. We share scripts, step-by-step guides, and other insider tips to help you save time and make you more money. I can't tell you how many times after I turn off the recorder, a guest starts sharing some awesome advice or a script or, or a tip, and I take the best of this and share it with my VIPs. If you want to get on the list, visit ilovemortgagebrokering.com slash VIP. That's ilovemortgagebrokering.com slash VIP. Oh, and one other thing, since this is exclusively for mortgage brokers, there is a skill testing question. Good luck, and I hope you continue to rock your mortgage biz.